In this year, we are uh, continuing and concluding the topic uh, from the previous year, which is the Shaila regarding Petsua Daka, Halacha Lamaisa, regarding someone who had one Beya removed, with an emphasis on how this was discussed in the Kuntres Yigaris Pekaris of Rav Yaakov Emden. And this time we get to the best part, hopefully, which is the actual part of the Kuntres, where Rav Yaakov Emden holds forth a great length in his inimitable style. But just to try to give a brief uh, a recap as possible, so we're discussing the Shail of Petsu Adaka, the Halacha, the Torah says that Asr Lovei Bakal, he can't marry, and in fact, even if he's married, he can't be with his wife again. So based on the history that we got a bit into of Sarisim uh, through history, uh, certainly when you speak about Petsu Adaka, the assumption is that the context is within the concept of Osiris, of being able to have children versus not being able to have children. And that's also what generally comes across from the Makaris in Chazal, but it's not fully clear. And we went through how the Mishnah words it, how the Rambam words it, how the Shulchan Aruch words it. Um, but that, that essentially leads us to this question of Nital Be'a Achas. Um, and part of the question being that as time went on over time, um, the observation was made that removing one bea surgically doesn't necessarily seem to impact the ability to have children. So what is the din supposed to be in that scenario? Uh, as we discussed, part of what made the surgery, the surgery for removing one bea is called an archidectomy today. So there essentially was a form of this surgery being performed for many hundreds of years in Europe for people who had a hernia in that area, specifically it's called an inguinoscrotal hernia, which by the way I should mention is still a fairly common phenomenon till this very day. Probably people among us have had it, have a surgery. Obviously today the surgery does not entail that, but the actual medical problem is uh, fairly common and in certain places in Europe it was fairly common to treat it in this way, which necessarily, for some reason, involved, required removing one. And that's a big part of the discussion from Rabbi Tam, who's already talking about this in Taisvis, through Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that's part of the discussion here as well. And of course, there are other cases where people were actually diseased in that area, and that also happens today, in which you have to remove it for more urgent medical reasons. And... Essentially, the point being that we have a das yachid of the Rambam. The Rambam seemed to be more lenient for any sickness, not just being born with the problem, but even if the sickness comes on later. There's also a das yachid of Rabbeinu Tam that we just mentioned, where Rabbeinu Tam specifically talking about a healthy person who had one removed. Rabbeinu Tam says, because they can have children, so therefore they're not tzodaka. And that brings us to the case of the Gaidis Bikaidis, which, as we mentioned, was first printed by the Yaakov Emden around the time that it happened, the end of the 1730s. And then, when he was, that was essentially his first controversy, before he became more well-known for many other controversies that uh, put this one in the dust. Uh, but this is actually something that, he, that was close to his heart, and he reprinted it again in the 1760s when he was much older, and there are his sophists that he added then as well. And that whole controversy was sparked by a case where someone actually had a disease. We discussed it, the Kaltebrand, the cold fire, uh, you know, really, really, uh, where, where, where essentially that part of the body is completely dead and needs to be removed. 
And the Rav of Hamburg, the Rav of Ahur, Yechetzel Katzen had sort of written along the lines of, yeah, there's the Rambam, which is something, and there's Rabbeinu Tam, which is something, but it's not all very simple. There's also some kind of precedent from the Shalos Tshuva's Tumas Yesharim, where they seem to be makel somewhat in a case of uh, leave his marriage. But we should warn the couple that they are essentially playing around with the Isra of Pitzuadaka and leave it up to them. And then this Rav Shimshin, or Shamshin Chassid, uh, who was uh, a big time of Chacham in Hamburg, who was the head of the... So he responded, and he seems to be, in terms of when you think of this, in terms of uh, being a more contemporary question, thinking of it in a contemporary way, how do we resolve the, the halacha with the medicine, with the science? So he really takes the, what the doctors say and puts it front and center and quotes from them at length about how it's absolutely possible to have children. And he just goes on the record and says that we need to bring the sugya in line with the mitzis and I that Ashba said when it comes to trefes that we just leave the categories of chazal in place and we don't ask questions about whether yeah no he says okay that's just what the Ashba said about trefes but otherwise in every other case let's try to get the halacha to fit uh, what makes sense but he also derails the conversation a bit and takes it into the topic of this, uh, these surgeries. And this person had, and they got married and they had kids, he's trying to use that as proof. And that's his whole task. He's going, making a big uh, deal out of it and going in that, heading in that, just worth essentially of Yaakov Hamden in uh, the next uh, half an hour or so. Um, I say 70 pages because uh, the edition that I'm using uh, is a, a new edition of Shailas Yaivitz, which are Shailas Shuvas, and they included in Chela Gimel, uh, towards the end of Chela Gimel, they also included the whole Igeris Bikairas, which they retyped. The one chesaron I would note is that since essentially he printed it twice, uh, they really should have uh, pointed out where there are Shinoyim or Hesophis in the second print versus the first print. It seems like they just went with the second print and did not comment at all, so that's Chaval. And Rebecca Amdin goes completely in the opposite direction and to a very great extreme, which is uh, perhaps not surprising. So we have a lot of questions, a lot of fundamental questions here. What's the Din Lemaise? How do we go about pasketing this? How much should we take the Mitzvahs into account? Um, and uh, what's just the traditional way of viewing this question? Are we trying to be machmer? It's uh, like an Asius, is it like an Aguna type of situation? Are we looking at it that way? Are we looking at it as uh, a Mamzer situation? There's different ways we, uh, sort of attitudes that we bring to different types of Shilas. What's the attitude that we're even uh, applying here? Obviously, Shem uh, Shem Bloch has his uh, attitude. Yaakov clearly has a different one. And we'll essentially see why he's getting so uh, worked up, because to him, this is uh, outrageous. I'm not even sure if we'll be able to get uh, all the points that I think are notable. We're just going to have to see uh, how much we get to here, and then we're going to have to conclude with where the halacha went from there after that discussion. Okay. Here we go. So there are three, essentially three parts of Dr. Emden's tshuva. The first is what he says is the tshuva he wrote when he was first presented with the question before he saw what others wrote. Maybe he just saw what the Rav wrote, but not what uh, Rav Shimshim Bloch wrote. Uh, then there are two responses to Rav Shimshim Bloch. One is to his hasagas. He had written hasagas on the Rav's uh, tshuva, and then Rav Shimshim's lengthy tshuva of his own, which Dr. Emden responds to at the greatest length. Um, so let's just try to go through each of them and get the main points. 
So Biyakov Emden begins by restating the question. He says he was asked the question as well. This person with the Kaltebran, they removed it. So he says, you know, really, this is a tough question. I would want to get uh, too deeply into this, and it's a tough question either way, no matter what you, no matter what you answer. And by the way, of course, we have a very Chashverov who already said his piece, then in parentheses, and this is something that he essentially added, I checked, this is something he added in the uh, second edition. Yaakov Emden didn't actually like the Rav of Hamburg very much. So in the first edition, he, Rav was still alive, and he was, I guess, still trying to uh, get along. So he said, oh, the Rav already said what he had to say in the second edition. He adds in parentheses, by the way, I didn't actually mean what I said. I actually didn't respect the Rav at all, but uh, that's what I had to say. So, you know, that's, you know, classic Yaakov uh, Emden. Um, he starts getting into some of this, uh, some of the, you have Tom, you have the Rambam, and he's going to start arguing that uh, certainly the Rambam especially is not someone that we should be building much on. Um, so let's see. He says, Rabbeinu Tam, he says, first of all, Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Tam is a yachid, das yachid, everyone's against Rabbeinu, it's Rabbeinu Tam against everybody, so why would we uh, go with Rabbeinu Tam? Um, okay, so that's like uh, he has a whole presentation how he explains why you know, Vasepis you would just uh, go with Rabbeinu Tam and the Ramah, look at the Ramah, it says not to follow Rabbeinu Tam, etc., etc. Uh, then he switches to the Rambam and uh, says, uh, you know, the Rambam, Baiter, everyone disagrees with the Rambam. Uh, along the way, he has uh, an interesting point about the bidesham of these terms, bidesham ayim bidayadam, right? So part of the, this discussion is essentially what's the definition of the terms bidesham ayim bidayadam? Uh, isn't illness bidesham ayim? Why is the Rambam the only one who's saying that illness counts as bidesham ayim? And everyone is disagreeing with the Rambam. Isn't illness bidesham ayim? So he says this is the kind of thing in Chazal where some of these terminology, some of these terms are very slippery. And uh, depends how you look at it. So he says, Lamashal, we say, Tzinimu Pachim Bideyadam. So, right, certain illnesses are Bideyadam, certain illnesses are Bideyadam. And in each case, it's really a combination. To some extent, it's your fault. To some extent, it's still coming from uh, somewhere else. So he wants to make the case that the true definition here, Bideyadam, 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 truly means that a person was born that way, and that they never had a Shasa Kaisha. And he says that the, the Riyaz and Shilti Gibayim phrases it this way: he says, "Oh, the Riyaz, he got it right." The one thing he's willing to acknowledge is that sometimes a person appears to have one, but he's but he really has a second one that's hidden somewhere. And uh, he says, "And th- this is the kind of thing where I've researched. I had incidents that came up, and I researched, and I found out that they appear to have one, but they really have two because really the, the second one never uh, descended, or whatever the term is." So he wants to say that everyone disagrees with the Ram, the Ram is Mamash, Mamash, Adas, Yachid, and also the way he's understanding all the sugyas, like he's Mamash trying to isolate the Rambam to a tremendous extent. But at any rate, part of the issue here is that it didn't, the Rambam is talking about at least parts of the Rambam, there were terms in the Rambam, words in the Rambam that are debated. But if you, the most consensus reading of the Rambam is that Mamish happened on its own. The question here is, what if the guy had Kaltebran, so essentially that part of his body was already dead, and now the doctors just removed it. So is that, 
according to the Ram, that, that when it was dead, it was Bidei Shemayim. So now the doctors removed it. Is that still Bidei Shemayim because it was already dead? Or is it Bidei Adam in the sense that now they actually physically removed it? So now it's more of a Bidei Adam type of thing. That's part of the question here. So he goes off into this uh, bit of a rant. Oh, the doctors said that it was completely dead and there was nothing you could do. But uh, he says, should we really trust the doctors? So this is part of his whole attitude that he's displaying throughout this whole discussion. Is, you know, how often the doctors disagree. The doc- this doctor says it's completely uh, terminal. The other doctor says, love the Afghan. And you're going to start the, 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 the deciding, you sort of shall tell you based on what this doctor says, what that, doc- what that doctor says, no. And then he goes even further. He wants to argue that the Rambam never said, meaning not only is the Rambam not talking about in the case where some wanted to argue, uh, as part of his case, he makes the argument that this, in this way, the Bavli and the Yishali, he says, even if you will argue that it's not necessarily the Pshan and the Rambam, but certainly we should be Malam and Tzchus and the Rambam. Everything makes a lot more sense that way. That's his, that is his uh, presentation. So Ebezoi, then everyone agrees to everything, and then Ebezoi, uh, there's no machleka, so then there would mamash be no basis for saying any of this. Interestingly, after all of that, he gets back to Rabbeinu Tam, he says, even though the Chathilu, we don't pass on like Rabbeinu Tam, but if you were, so Dafka, not in this case of an illness, but in the case of the, the hernia surgery, he says, if someone were to pass on like Rabbeinu Tam, I wouldn't be so upset about it. Because there's a musig of the Mardasra, he's the Paisik, Rabbeinu Tam is the Paisik of Ashkenaz, he gives other examples that uh, there was a certain shtikl chaylev, that Bnei Rainus used to eat the shtikl chaylev. And there being soimech be'isr karis, al-divre yachid, rabbeinu yoyel, neged kochach me'israel, just like you have instances of this in Chazal. So he says, Ashkenaz, Sarfas, they're all the asre, they're my rabbeinu tam, they're paskan lefi rabbeinu tam. So if someone's going to be mekel in a pure, actual case that rabbeinu tam was talking about, then I could accept that. But that's not what we're talking about here. The original case that we were discussing here was the case of a chayli. And Rabbi Tom clearly said that he only says what he says when it was uh, gezunt, and they removed the bashenke when it was a, there was illness. And then it was removed, even Rabbi Tom says clearly that that's, that's how he makes the sugi make sense. The Mishnah says nittel. So he says only nittel if it was, uh, there was already uh, an illness. So, and in that sense also, he repeats throughout that Rabbi Tom and the Ramam are essentially Punk for carrot. Rabbeinu Tam's shita only works when you're healthy. Nanam's shita only works when you're ill. So you certainly can be mitzar of those two things. This is what about if it was up to me and I was being machmer? What would I actually? What are we proposing? What should happen in this case? You're asking me whether he should be paidish ishtai. I would ask even further. Does he have to be megadish ishtai? Because when there are other isurim, when other marriages are done beisur, generally the standard is that we are kaifelaitzi. He says, could be in this case, we wouldn't have to say that. Could be in this case, uh, we can make an arrangement where they're edim, whether they can like, keep their marriage alive, uh, functional, to some extent, without him, with him being paidish from her, and whatever requirements you'd have to have in place to avoid the actual gaydish. Especially here, where in all the other cases of Arias, the pashtas, the marriage itself should never have happened, so we're upset about that, we're trying to undo it. Here, we're talking about someone who got married, didn't have any problem, nothing wrong with him, and then he has the problem, so Lavdafka, we're going to be as tough on him, and Lavdafka, we're going to try to force him to be mighty. 
And it's not like uh, in a regular case, the person can have children, so then the fact that he's in a marriage where he can't have children, that's enough is a preventive here. We have to get him out of this marriage. Here, he can't have children. So why, why, why do we care if he remains in a marriage like this? And then he says, and by the, anyway, in this case in particular, based on what I've heard about this guy's medical case, he still, it didn't help. After they removed whatever they removed, uh, if someone's body reached that point where there was Kaltebrand, where parts of his body were mamish, uh, completely beyond uh, repair, so he's clearly not doing too well to begin with. Even after they removed it, he was still uh, essentially dying. So uh, you can leave the guy alone, leave the poor guy alone. Then he goes off into an interesting sikum as to all the terminology, because part of the, this confusion here in Chazal, there are a lot of terms, what's Bideshimayim, what's Bideyadam, what's this, what, what's a saris even? Chazal used saris in interesting ways. Uh, right, I was making the, the case last week that essentially a pitzuadaka is a subcategory of a saris. A saris is anybody who can have children, and a pitzuadaka is a subcategory of that, but that's not how Chazal seem to use the terms. They refer to specific people as a saris chama, a saris adam, they're not really calling a pitzuadaka a saris. So he actually has this uh, a very interesting attempt to make a grace say there in Chazal that there's B'day Shemayim, there's B'day Adam, there's Osiris, each one has three Efanim, but uh, I guess we're going to be B'katzer. So that was essentially how, that was essentially the thrust of how he wrote his Tshuva, uh, supposedly initially before he even saw what others said, especially his nemesis. So therefore... Uh, and he, he ends off saying, look, I'm not poskening, I'm, I'm, put, I'm proposing, I'm, I'm sharing my, my thoughts. Uh, then there's some text that appears after that, in which he says, a bit odd, bit, unless I'm misunderstanding, but he seems to say that then both sides came to me, there was like internal drama and politics, and both sides came running to me, each one wanted to recruit me to their side uh, in this halachic drama, and I ended up, he says, I ended up signing on to those who were mekel. And I wrote it in a certain way, and it was, they didn't chap that I really didn't agree with them. It's hard to understand exactly what the circumstances were, and you know, what the motivations were, and what exactly is going on there. It seems like there might have been other considerations, uh, social, political, uh, so, on the one hand, he seems to be going along and agreeing, but then when they actually went ahead and also, so then all of a sudden he felt like he, he blew up. So, a bit unclear about that, but also maybe not so surprising. Next comes the next Shiva that are Hasagas on the Pshimshin. Here's where he starts getting, you start seeing uh, his irritation growing. Um, and perhaps that's what changed. Maybe once he saw how the Mekilim made the argument, it bothered him uh, more uh, and disturbed him. Uh, so he begins by saying he's going to get into it, and he throws a few barbs at this Shimshon Chassid. He was known as the Chassid, meaning he was extra pious back before uh, Baal Shemtev and, and Chassidim. Chassid was a term used in many communities for people that were more parashman at Zibur and were uh, pursuing spirituality or whatever. So this person had a reputation, they called him the Chassid, so he's uh, throwing comments uh, in that direction. And he, part of his argument, like I mentioned already before, part of it is, is that there's some kind of contradiction here. You can't go with the Nam and Rabbeinu Tam. For the Rambam to work, you have to make the case that it was so diseased, it was so beyond hope, that it was Mamash B'day Shemayim. What the doctor is doing is just removing something that's already dead B'day Shemayim. In order for B'day Tam to work, it's literally the opposite. You have to make the case that it was in Gans and Gazunt, and they removed the Gazunt Abeya, and that's B'day Tam Shitta. 
So he says, Shimshon is almost like flip-flopping. When he talks about the Rambam, he says, yeah, it was, it was good according to the Rambam. He speaks about it many times. He says, yeah, it was good according to many times. You can't have both. Which one is it? When he touches here a bit on the question of new, what's the Matthias? Well, first of all, what's the halachas? But Suadaka based on being able to have children or not? And second of all, what's the Matthias? Are there cases where people with one are having children? He says, no, love dafka. She says, just like you see, it says, Pitsu Bidei Shamayim is kosher, right? Everyone agrees that there's some case in which if it's Mamish, Mamish Bidei Shamayim, I'm talking about both. If it's Mamish Bidei Shamayim, then he is mutter love call. So you see there are instances in which a person is a Pitsu Adaka, and yet, Xayr is a kosher that the Xayr only applies in that scenario, not in that scenario. So it could be, it's could, it could be Fakarat as well. Maybe there are cases in which a person is Yachal Ha'ilat, and still he has a Din Pitsuadaka. Why did you decide that uh, Mamash has to follow the Mitzias? He gets very upset when Shimshon says that uh, what's going on over here? You have to be very sensitive to what you're doing. It could be a get mo'usa. He says, no, what are you talking about? If it's taka correct, that uh, they're not allowed, if it's mamash allowed, then no get mo'usa. What are you talking about? Like any other uh, iser? It's essentially uh, a lot of the things that Shimshon are saying are triggering him, even though in his first shiva himself, he seemed a little bit more open, perhaps, to some of uh, these gedankin. He has this whole uh, speech about how uh, Rabbeinu Tam is a yachid, and even though there are other Yishayim that quote Rabbeinu Tam, doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't, mean, doesn't make a difference, doesn't mean anything. Uh, just because Yishayim quote other Yishayim doesn't matter, I think that's, uh, most people would not agree with uh, his argument, but that's part of what he has to say in order to make Rabbeinu Tam mamish, mamish a yachid. Then he gets upset that uh, Shimshon said that, I don't understand why the Rav is giving uh, a hard time. The Rav said he wants to get other opinions from other Rabbanim. Shimshon said, all the opinions that you need are already there. You have the Shalzot Shuvah's Tumas Yisharim. And Yaakov goes off into this whole thing about, I don't understand, why are you, why are you so quick to Paskin? This is completely inappropriate. Uh, a whole arichas on that. And then he goes off and tells the reader that you can't rely on Svarim, you have to go through the sugi yourself, you can't just rely on how a sefer presents it, which I guess is, uh, that's always uh, a good point to keep in mind. Then towards this, he says, by the way, uh, sometimes you have a whole uh, discussion in halacha, and someone says, knew what happened in the end? What was the end of the story? Right? What happened to this? So he says, the end of the story, by the way, is that the person passed away in the end. It was like a terminal illness, and it spread, and it kept on spreading, and he died. So the whole Shiloh, the whole controversy is not even uh, very negative. The guy uh, died within uh, a short period of time, it seems. But uh, the fight still uh, carried on. Okay, now we're up to the, his, longest, uh, his longest part, which we're going to have to skim even more. And here's where he also sounds as angry. This is where he's responding to Shimshon's full tshuva. <clears throat> he has, part of the, the joy of reading the back of Emden is all his, uh, 
his asides, all the things he mentions at one point along the way, he gets into you know the, how we factor in the Yerushalmi to the sugya. What uh, what's, what status does the Yerushalmi have? And he makes this strong case. And no, Adarabah, the Yerushalmi is very helpful in clarifying sugyas that are unclear in the Bavli. And in fact, the can even quote from the Tesefta when necessary. And then he goes even further and says, or even you see Mechabrim that quote from Sfarim Chitzayne, Mamish uh, Sfarim that are beyond the canon, wherever Chazal are not clear. And uh, that's why on the one hand, Chazal say you're not supposed to read it, but on the other hand, Chazal use it. And he starts quoting examples from Zayar. And Zayar quotes the Sefer of Ashmedai and uh, the Sefer of this Malach, Sefer of Ashmedai. So he says, you see that uh, we're willing to quote Svarim even like that, which is interesting to hear from Yaakov Emden. Um, and that's the way Torah works. Okay, just an interesting uh, aside. Back a bit to uh, the doctors. Well, the question is, Yerakim Emden is kind of dancing around a bit the, the question. What are we, what's the Metzius of, uh, of these people? What's going on here? So he says, these doctors, he says, oh yeah, Shemshah says, all Arichas about the doctors. The doctors say that, yeah, they could totally have children. And they, they say, oh, once you remove one, then you have double the strength in the second. And the Shemshah even tried bringing a eye from a Gemara somewhere. But he says, even if the doctors are right, you're right from the Gemara is ridiculous. I'm not going to go off into that. But anyway, he says, of course you can't trust that. You trust these doctors. And especially the argument, he gets very hung up on the idea that uh, he said that the second one doubles in strength. Does that make any sense? If you have two limbs, if you have two arms, uh, does it, you lose one chas v'shalom. So does uh, one arm double in strength? If a person uh, loses one eye chas v'shalom, does the other eye double in strength? Okay, that hap- happens to be that technically, whether or not that's true, and first of all, every limb could be different, and sometimes we do know that uh, when someone is uh, disabled, they can have more strength than other uh, limbs, so who knows, it's probably not so straightforward, but anyway, it doesn't really matter whether or not, we saw from the, the studies that they did a few decades ago, that, it's not, that part is not true, it doesn't double in strength, but the person's kayak, uh, maybe taka, is cut in half. So what? That doesn't actually uh, change the question. The question is, if they can still have children, what's the story? But anyway, that's what Yerach of Emden gets uh, uh, hung up on. Goes off into the eyes, and how, back then they hadn't fully articulated how the two eyes work together, but he says, clearly, you have this idea where the two eyes work in tandem. He expresses it in uh, probably in terminology that isn't correct today. He said, anyway, if you believe these doctors, again, Rabbeinatam said that the only time, Rabbeinatam holds what he holds, only when you removed it from a healthy person. But if it was already uh, harmed, if it was already uh, messed up in some way, so then even Rabbeinatam is made. He says, no, the doctors, they go further than Rabbeinatam. The doctors say you can remove one no matter what, whether it was healthy, whether it wasn't healthy. So are we going all the way with the doctors? So in a Hanami, that's Taka Yaakov Emdin is making a good point in terms of Rabbeinatam's shitta, but in terms of what we know uh, today, seemingly, in Taka, yeah, it's also Kashan Rabbeinatam. Rabbeinatam went some part of the way, um, but we know seemingly that uh, it might not matter, or depends what is going on there, of course. Um, so I'm just I'm, I'm observing certain parts in Yaakov Emden's argument that uh, you know, might have holes in them from our, from our perspective. Then he gets to the part with the Rajba. The Rajba said uh, that we follow Chazal, and he said, but that's just there, and everywhere else we should try to bring Chazal in line. He says, how dare you? This is where he really gets uh, worked up. 
how dare you say this? And he says, I don't, this, this person is known as Shimshon Chassid. He's known as this very Derhebin Amench. If, if I didn't know who it was, if I didn't know that it was this Ish Chassid, Lamdan Balamuna, I would think it's one of the Kaifrim that uh, wrote something like this. How can someone say such a thing? And then he goes off into this whole thing about how old fashioned medicine and ancient medicine. That were, they were on the right track. They understood. They understood how uh, there's actually interestingly there's something from the Alter Rebbe along these lines that uh, even though it looks like they're being making a lot of progress, but the progress is just uh, sort of focusing on particular details. But the Chachamim they had the big picture. They understood things on a deeper level. So Rabbi Akiva Emden is making a, a similar argument. So he's very upset at this whole notion that the doctors today would even have anything valuable to add, to contribute to this discussion. Uh, again, Lamaisa uh, coming now, obviously, it's not so straightforward. It's, uh, Jacob Emden is, uh, obviously, you can see where he's coming from, and it's very admirable, but as we know, these questions of uh, Tyre and Reifim are more uh, complicated than, than that. So he just says, he's willing to say that we could just throw them all out the, out the door, and all these Paiskim, other Paiskim, and other cases where they, they believe what doctors say about Nida, and this is something I spoke about, the begin, I think, uh, beginning of last year, um, about trusting doctors when it comes to fasting and Yom Kippur, when it comes to Nida, when it comes to vaccines. Uh, so this is something the Yagam then goes on the record and says, yeah, I'm very turned off by all these Paiskim that are quoting uh, doctors in cases of Nida, where they're trying to find a hat there, and the doctor says, oh, no, that's not Dam Nida, that's something else. Why are you, why are you believing in them? And then he goes off into this whole thing about how People are being paid to Paskin, which is very interesting. Not clear what the context is, but apparently, I guess, in very uh, extreme situations, maybe sometimes when Paiskim wrote Heterim, they were commissioned to write the Heter. And that's something that he calls out. And then at some point, he starts directly denying the Metzius in this case. He says, in this case, how do we know? Yeah, they had children, says who? What, did someone watch the, watch the woman the whole time to make sure that uh, she didn't do anything wrong? We should believe Chazal. We should believe even the ancient doctors, ancient medicine. Rambam didn't agree with Rabbeinu Tam. Rambam is a bigger doctor than Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam says they're Moilid. Rambam is a doctor. If they were Moilid, he should have said so. He didn't say so. So he's willing to reject Rabbeinu Tam, reject the doctors. No, they're not Moilid. And then again he says, and anyway, even if he would be Maman, that there's Moilid, that, he's, that can, he could be Moilid, could be that the categories in Halacha don't overlap Beautifully with uh, Metzius. Could be there's some cases in which you can't be Moilid and you're Mutu Lavevakal, and some cases in which you can be Moilid and you would be Osir Lavevakal. Part of the way how he makes that argument, though, is his assumption would be that maybe only a miut of those who have one removed would be able to be Moilid. The fact that we know today that seemingly almost 100% of people that have one removed can be Moilid would make it a little harder, seemingly, to make that argument. He goes and he, then he, makes, he comes up with this whole theory about how all the treifus, what's the vart with treifus? Why do the treifus, uh, why does the metzius seem to be different than the halacha? The vart is that there's always exceptions. He says, you, once you have this side, then everything in Chazal makes sense. There are always going to be exceptions. Sometimes Chazal mentioned the exceptions. Dafkun Chazal mentioned strange things. That's also, Chazal are mentioning the unusual exception to, to Teva. And when Chazal don't mention it, but you should still assume, even if Chazal stated a rule as a blanket statement, you should assume, yeah, you'll probably come across exceptions to that. 
And he presents this whole theory about how Teva is not fixed and ties into the discussion of Nishtanu Hatevim, which is uh, something that Paiskim use, which is a, its own question, its own sugya that uh, needs to be understood. So he wants to make this argument that uh, Teva is always uh, slipping a little bit. There are always uh, cracks and there are always going to be uh, unusual exceptions. And here's where we mentioned last week that on the Sharablat, the Kuntjes about the Saris Tzodaka, on the Sharablat, he says, by the way, I'm going to tell you a story about a Basula who had, who conceived without, uh, well, he felt the Sarain. So this is how, uh, this is the connection. He's trying to say that, uh, you know, this theory that he's come up with about how there's the, the Klolem and Teva and Chazal are the ones who set those Klolem. And then there could be exceptions, whether mentioned by Chazal or not mentioned by Chazal. So he starts listing all these random things he read in the newspaper. He says clearly that he read it. So he used to get the paper and he used to, apparently he had a kach in reading the, uh, the weird facts, the odd news. So he says that uh, one thing I read was that in Peru, Peru is in the news right now. In Peru, they found a guy who's 140 years old and he has 800 descendants. Brothers, you see, interesting things happen. Another example is, they say in Sweden, a girl didn't eat for four months. He says, you know, I didn't actually fully trust. Maybe I shouldn't trust what the paper says. Uh, but then there was another one that uh, there was an animal somewhere where the Zachar suddenly was nursing. So that's something which Chazal do mention. Adam uh, says uh, just now there's an oil near America that was transferred to British control, and there's some kind of plant there that has some life to it. I don't know if he's talking about like the Venus flytrap or something. Don't know. It'll be interesting to track down every every particular uh, vert. That's not uh, what we have time for. Um, he says there was a black woman who uh, suddenly her skin turned white. He's not quoting all kinds of very interesting, uh, interesting stuff, which without which it wouldn't be a proper country by Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Um, and then he gets to this thing from the Sharablat, that uh, there are different cases where or, uh, there was a case in France where a, woman beca- a girl became pregnant and uh, she still had her basulin, and then there are even more. He says there are, uh, there are sources that say, he read in some book, that there's a place where women conceive from eating grapes, and the uh, chadoima. So, uh, that's, so in his framework, the way he's understanding the world, like I said, is that there's rules of Torah, but there are always going to be unusual exceptions. And on the one hand, all the strange things that Chazal say, all the strange things that you read in the paper, they could all be true, it's not a steer. And also the column that Chazal say, even when there seem to be exceptions, no, no, there are always exceptions. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Back to our topic... He wants to say, let's not uh, play games with Chazal. Chazal say they're not moilet, they're probably not moilet, maybe there are exceptions, that's not going to change the, the psak. And then he says, the, the, the fact that Abshimshin named names, and said this one, that one, he says, I'd be embarrassed of doing that if I were you. You're telling me uh, people that, whose children I should now write, okay, I don't, I don't believe it, uh, his children are talking his anymore. Uh, that's the, not the information you should have uh, printed. So that's, uh, that's his response to that. Again, obviously, as we know now in hindsight, it could be, could be when you're removed, when you do an orchidectomy, it could be that surgery is a mole. Talk, uh, depends how well you do the surgery. It could be the likelihood of messing things up and uh, preventing them from having children could have been higher back then. could be there was a, a lower rate. But 
way it sounds today, in, in, under proper conditions, uh, it seems that uh, typically uh, people can still have children. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden's argument is interesting and, and convincing in certain parts, but Sai's Taich and Ramam is not really accepted, and Sai, uh, his argument about the Metzias isn't really satisfactory uh, in terms of uh, what we know today. So just to give some perspective on where the discussion has gone from there, so the big, uh, the big source uh, would be Rav Avad Yosef. There is this uh, very, very lengthy tshuva toward the force, like Rav Avad Yosef uh, is known to do, where he really plows through the sugya and quotes probably every single mucker in existence. Um, so we're gonna, we don't have that one. We're basically at the end of our time here. Give me another two minutes, please. So in Tavshin Mem Zayin, he was asked about someone who was not religious, and he was living with Pritzos, and apparently he caught some kind of disease, from uh, some kind of venereal disease that affected that part of his body. And at some point, they had no choice, they removed one. But he demanded, they gave him a certificate that says that he's still able to reproduce, and he lived with other uh, women afterwards, and he certainly had Kayar Gavra, that's for sure. And four years ago, he became from, and now he wants to know, is he Mutilavi Bakal? So there's a tshuva from Adi Yosef here, that's how many ICS? Chaf is 20 ICS. Obviously, we're not going to be able to go through even a fraction of that. But he goes through, and the big marker that, he, that, none, that none of these, these Makaitis mentioned is the Marshal. The Marshal says, says perhaps the most interesting thing. The Marshal says that perhaps the way the doctors do it today is different. That could be Chazal we're talking about, like, like the Mitzvahs, that there was no uh, way to do it in a way where a person's left with one and can still have children. But now, the doctors have worked out a new Mitzvah. So, I don't know how far the Marshal himself meant that, but uh, the way various Achrein that Ravad Yosef quotes, the way Ravad Yosef himself uses it, is to say that, we're not like saying that the Halacha is, has been found to be wrong, or that we have to change the Halacha. There's, uh, in Gantz and Anayim, there's all different Metzias. The Mishnah and the Shnubram and the Shukhanar are talking about Stam, the ultimate And now, in light of what the doctors are able to do today, it's like they're doing a different thing, and that different thing is not a Petsu Adaka. And that essentially is, I guess, the most convincing argument you can make that would make Make it feel satisfactory, and that we somehow have resolved all these mekayes. And of course, he just quotes a very long list of achreinim who essentially did paskin one after the other after Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Most of them don't quote Igaris mekayes. It wasn't that even that influential on the whole discussion, but uh, some do. They quote the Knesset Yecheskel, and you see a large number of achreinim that are saying the Aruch Hashulchan. Which is uh, he codifies this. He writes, "Harav Megdale Achrein Meskimu Sheikar Karambam Shayde Choyli Chashu B'Dei Shemayim V'Kasha." Obviously, that surgery, the orchidectomy for hernia, has obviously ended at some point. And the, the real question that we're left with is, in a case of Choyli, so you go with the Rambam and they, you know, Shayde Choyli Chashu B'Dei Shemayim V'Kasha, etc. Okay, and there are some other interesting questions. There's a there's a Teiras Chasa, there's a Tzamach Tzedek. Uh, Rav Yosef himself has the extra challenge that he always likes to follow the Mechaber. The Mechaber didn't really seem to be uh, leaving that much room to be Mekel. So he, by introducing the Marshal, he, he does his Sfex Vekas, maybe Allah Zakhdan, maybe Allah Zakhdan, does that. But he, by using the Marshal, that seems to be a very powerful argument for him that we're talking about a different Mitzvah. Then we're fine. He says, Maskana, the dinner, and he was Matur, this person. 
And even though in this case, it's an even B'day Shemayim, it's an illness, the way the Ramam is usually understood, but in this case, the guy was also a parox, and he sort of caught a disease from his behavior, but no, it doesn't really change it, it's still considered B'day Shemayim, which gets into that discussion that the Ragnar Amda mentioned, what's the, the line between B'day Shemayim and B'day Adam is actually not as clear necessarily as you might think, but La'ala he was mad to Lisa Bas Yisrael in line with what seems like mostly a consensus of the Dachreinah of the last 300 years, and then he says, uh, this was in Tav Shemem Zayin, addressed to Arav, he says, when he printed it, he adds, I heard based on the very happy to hear that. And with that, we conclude. Good Shabbos.